1: This is Selena Yvette, host of Stories from Planet Earth. Thanks for listening to the following show on Public House Media. Disarming Disability. Welcome, welcome. You have officially made it to season two, episode three. I can't, I still can't believe we're in a season two. It totally blows my mind, but we are so happy to have you here in this space with us. And we are so, so excited to share with you the expert we have today. Before we jump into any interviews though, we want to take, um, just a moment to step back and we just want to take a moment to, um, mention and thank and honor our logo designer, Patrice. Uh, for those of you who follow us on social media, you probably saw, um, that Patrice actually passed away just before Christmas. He was much too young and this came as a total surprise. So it's, it's just very, very sad. And, uh, as Sarah and I were talking about different ways to honor Patrice and what we could do, um, we, we really just wanted to continue to share his work. So we have been in communication with Patrice's family and we have gotten um, the go-ahead, the blessing to continue to share his work and to continue to share his website. Patrice was using his artwork um, and actually putting it on amazing merchandise. That was really awesome kind of disability pride merchandise. Uh, dis- disarming Disability has no kind of stake in this. This purely is us um, wanting Patrice Legacy to continue and his work to continue. Um, So his family is still filling orders. We are going to continue to share his artwork, the artwork that exists, because. Uh, We think it is important that the work that he did throughout his life continue to be seen uh, because he was making images of disability that were happy people with disabilities, active people with disabilities, empowered people with disabilities, and we just couldn't be more thankful um, for having the chance to work with him and do things with him. So if you have a chance, uh, please go check out normalpersons.com and uh, do yourself the favor of honoring Patrice maybe with a purchase there. So now let's kind of hop into maybe something a little more um lighthearted. We actually had something
0: really cool happen. Sarah, will you will you share? Hey, okay, so Sing all the time posted on our um reviews for the podcast um itself like a platform. Uh, They said, this was my favorite disability rights podcast. It completely transformed my relationship with my disabilities and sent me down a path of research and activism. I so hope they make a new season someday. Tears, right? So many tears. And just knowing that like, yes. This is this is why Nikki and I have spent so much of our free time building this podcast, right? And, like, yes, we could have been doing all of these other things, but, like, we intentionally have been trying to connect people. Um, we've been trying to teach ourselves any of this information, and just knowing that, like, somebody else felt that was, like... We are doing our mission and just like, yes, please be a part of us. So please um, sing all the time. I hope you're listening. I hope you hear this. I hope you feel honored and like, just know that we see you and we appreciate you. Um, and we're trying to find ways to be able to write back on this particular platform, but was really sort of struggling with that. So we're just hoping that you're listening. Um, we hope that this is a gift to you that like, yes, we made season two um, and know that please reach out to us on um, disarmingdisability.com. You can find us there. You can email us at disarmingdisability.com. At gmail.com or look at our Instagram platforms if you have that, or Facebook um, at Disarming Disability. And um, please, we, we would love to have you be an advocate profile um, just to sort of share with us more about the story. We'd love to engage with you. Um, and anybody else who has been feeling these things, um, please know that we read our comments. Um, we integrate feedback as best we can with the things that we can change. Um, so please, like we love hearing from you and we want to help empower you to be the most. Bomb ass advocate, you can be. Um, So, if there's any way we can help in that, we totally want to. Um, And that's why we're doing everything that we're doing. But also, please reach out and we want to hear from you.
1: Yes. Seriously, just to echo Sarah, you know, people taking time out of their day to comment or share their feelings about disarming disability, that, that I cannot tell you how honored that makes us feel just because. Um, yeah, we do put a lot of work into this, and the fact that there are ears that are listening just means the world to us. So thank you, thank you so much. Um, yeah, let's let's hop right in now to today's expert guest. We are so so excited to introduce you to Danielle. Uh, we'll read you her her bio in just a second here, uh, but I wanted to tell you uh, that Danielle, as a little bit of a teaser, is just the coolest woman you'll ever meet that is really, really actively and strategically making awesome changes within the media casting realm of the world. Um, Danielle is actually a leading member of the Casting Society of America's Inclusion and Diversity team. So she is working side by side by all of our amazing experts and advocates within the arts world. Um, She has amazing kind of connections and work to all of these these people who um, are within the disability world but then she's also a beautiful bridge into the world that is specifically casting and she has so much insight to share with us so i will stop talking and yeah let's hop right into danielle's bio and our interview with her here we go danielle princefelder Jimcek has been an active member of the new york casting community since 2004 Currently, she's a leading member of the Casting Society of America's Inclusion and Diversity and Training and Education Committees. She prides herself on being an ally to artists and inspiring talent of all abilities. For more on her bio, check out our website disarmingdisability.com. So welcome, Danielle. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. How's your day going? Uh, Well, it is an interesting time
2: for everybody um, with coronavirus stuff. So my day is good. Um, I've been working from home and doing some work for an online open call and then some Casting Society Cares work, trying to find virtual volunteer opportunities for members. Um, And I got trained in one where uh, where you're like a a listener, not like a counselor or a therapist, but I got trained in that. So that was kind of interesting. Um, and when i my long walk, which is what I've been doing with all the lack of, yeah, just needing to be outside.
1: I love that. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry that you are stuck inside, but we're so happy to have you here. Uh, I'm wondering if you can start kind of by talking to us just about your professional journey. What has that looked like? Um, what is it that you do and how did you get to where you're at today?
2: Uh, well, I'm a casting director. I've been working in casting for thir- now 15, about 15 years now. Um, I was a, an actor as a kid. Um, I come from a family of not people that are in this business, not in entertainment at all. My mom's a speech pathologist, and one of her patients um, had a daughter who was a talent agent. And I used to go and perform at the nursing home when I had days off from school. And she was like, you have to meet my daughter. My mom was like, don't tell my daughter what your daughter does. And then I ended up signing with her and I acted as a kid for a bit, but I always wanted to be on the other side. And I always loved the woman that was my agent. Um, She's still an agent today. Her name's Nancy Carson. She's also a really great advocate for kids in general of all kinds. Um, And I was just inspired by her. And I didn't know that I wanted to be a talent agent because I knew what the the people when I went in the room, I was always like, what are they doing on the other side? Um, I always wanted to be on that other side. So I loved that like a casting director got to read with actors and meet all of these actors. Um, and I always loved that. And then I interned in casting and they always had me in the room either reading with actors. And then I worked for someone who wasn't big into working with kids. So I would be the person working with kids. Um, he would always throw me in the room. He's like, and you remember all of them and they like you. So that sort of became my thing <laughs> there. And then, um, I worked on a lot of independent films. One of the first independent films that I worked on was called Adam with Hugh Dancy, which is about a guy with autism. Um, and I had never really dealt with any sort of uh, casting within, like, with the dis- within the disability community until that time, I guess. But then I always was like, why did we cast? And well, I guess that's not the most interesting story. But um, I wasn't. I was always interested in putting real stories on screen and real people on screen. And I've always had. I've always been surrounded by people with disabilities. Uh, my mom, being a speech pathologist, I mean, it's not a disability per se, but she would run these laryngectomy. Uh, Picnics and events, and I was like little, and I would be running around with laryngectomies, and people were like, oh, "Weren't you scared of them?" And ne- I was never scared or freaked out. I was always around people that uh, had various disabilities. My mom did a lot of work with the deaf, so I signed as a kid, um, and I just my my grandpa is a volu- was a volunteer uh, clown at the Shriners Hospital, so I was always around people that had, you know, various deformities I guess was what like they were called when he did it um and various different differently uh, different abilities so and I was never scared of it I, I just kind of accepted that as what was part of my life I don't know and then um my uncle works with uh with Uh, learning disabilities and I guess that's also always been a part of my life and I have just always thought it was important to see our world on screen that's what I loved about casting Uh, I've never really been as interested like I've always been more excited about the actor I meet that I think is just like an incredible actor versus meeting a celebrity like I don't even you know there's so many people that bring so much heart to something that I'm like that is the person that moves me like it'll usually be someone from like some random independent film that I'll meet and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just met them. You know, it's like seeing somebody <laughs> who works so hard and just is so incredibly talented that usually, you know, that really makes me excited. Like I'm working on something right now where we're hoping Marley Matlin is is appearing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like am I gonna get to go? Like am I gonna the <laughs> set. And I'm like any other time I'm like, I didn't even know who that Instagram celebrity was, but other people are freaking <laughs> out. You know, it's all about these actors that have been working for so many years and bring this like incredible history that I love. That's what I love.
1: That That's amazing. Um, so get casting, you're still casting today and and it sounds like kids are still really your flavor. And we know that because you're here with us, that disability is part of that flavor as well. Can you talk to us um, a little bit of, about what? Uh, yeah, what what was the journey kind of into the disability world? How did how did that begin? I know you were sh- sharing, you know, kind of your growing up really was a foundational layer. But as far as like professionally and starting to really try to work with kids and advocate for them in this space, uh, where did that start?
2: So the president of CSA of the Casting Society of America, Russell Boast, is amazing and has a real focus on diversity and inclusion. And when we started doing these diversity and inclusion open calls, New York was tasked with sort of being the home for performers with disabilities. And LA was sort of the home more for uh, the trans initiative. And what we did was in order to kind of service both communities within one year, New York took on... PWDs for the year and they took on trans and then we swapped. So I really was, got like the ball rolling on all things grassroots outreach, all of that for CSA, for performers with disabilities. I kind of came on the committee just as like, oh, like, you know, we have like a night where everyone signs up for committees once a year for CSA. And this was the committee that one of the committees I was excited about. And there was a lot of, opportunity and room to really take ownership and leadership of it. And I loved that it was such a commitment of the president. I think, you know, I feel like a lot of times diversity and inclusion, it's like, so there's like the, you know, technology group, and there's the this and there's the that. And like, there's the <laughs> rules and regulations, like who wants to take on diversity and inclusion? And it's like, uh, I guess I'll do it. But with the president of CSA, he's, this is a huge initiative of his, um, it's something that's been important to him since before he was in casting, he has an incredible history. Um, and he's done a lot of work, um, throughout Africa. And he really has seen that there's a lot of incredible actors. Um, like I would say in quotes that are not trained, like there's a lot of people that are just Mm -hmm. naturally incredible storytellers, but they haven't been given the tools and opportunities to tell their stories on screen. And what we decided to do within diversity and inclusion, and he's been pooling resources into it because there is such a lack of training for people that aren't your standard actor. Um, is that we've been doing this three-prong approach with different communities. So we do first a town hall where we have members of the community come as well as talent agents. Managers, we've had some press come, and we have some people kind of do a roundtable. There's we've done it a few different ways, but we'll have like a round table of you know working actors that are within this community as well as maybe an agent or manager who represents a lot of actors with disabilities. and then we'll have a casting director who's maybe just you know come off of casting a project that really incorporated this community. And we all just chat about it. And then from there, we invite all of those attendees and we also put, you know, more press out to come to a training event where actors get to do like an on-camera commercial class, a theater film class. Uh, We've also done like theater and musical theater classes and a business of the business. And they get to kind of ask questions like, should my headshot show that, I'm in a wheelchair? Should my headshot incorporate Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whatever my disability may be? Should I have on the back of my resume when I, on the back of my headshot, should I have on my resume that, you know, whatever it is that my disability is, or should I wait until I get in the room? Should I be wearing a wig if I don't have hair? Like, you know, we get into like really nitty gritty things and that's, I mean, those are particulars with PWDs but you know all communities that we've worked with have different issues that come with a picture and resume that you don't think about like for example we worked with trans actors should they be putting roles that they played before they transitioned you know should you be saying that I played this female role but now you're male is that going to be confusing same thing when you're putting a role in your a PWD on your resume. Should you say that it was for a theater for the deaf? Or should you, should you say that it was an all-disabled cast? Does that matter? Like, what is it that should be on there in terms of training? Or should you include, uh, note like, noting that you use a communication device if you do? Um, should you ask if you should bring that in the room? I mean, we've had so many different questions. Um will it scare a casting director if I ask them if it's an accessible space and it should be an accessible space? You know, there's so many questions that you don't necessarily want to ask or your agent, some agents, or we've been told that people are like, Oh, I don't want to ask them that they're not going to want to see you if I ask that, but you have to advocate for yourself. How are you getting in that building? If you don't know if you can get in that building, Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm always surprised by that. I was with an actor friend in LA and we were at a very fancy restaurant. And I said, um, I said, you know, my friend wants to come in and I don't, I don't see a ramp. They're like, Oh, you can come this way. We had to go through like literally the garbage. I mean, how would an actor feel going through the garbage and then coming into a producer session? Like how, how do you yeah. feel ready for a job interview if that's the case? And if that is the case, I'm, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but it'd be nice to know that before you come in, maybe you'd come in a little bit early so that you feel like you can take a moment to regroup and do all of those things. So we just really have these very candid conversations with actors and they can ask cast and directors. And, and we also talk about picking a scene that's you know, good for you, a scene that maybe incorporates who you are. Some people are afraid to do that. Picking something that also shows who you are without being all about your disability. We talk about all different ways of choosing material um, that works for you. And then we do an open call, we call it. It's a registered open call. You sign up online for a slot everybody's taped and added to a database that's seen by casting directors all over the world. And we've had incredible success from our database. Um, One of the first stories that like, I was like, okay, this is really working was um, I got an email from a casting director in New York, and they said, we need an actor. It was actually an actor with a limb difference. Um, We're hoping for a girl, like they were like, you know, we're going to be broad about it. We're really like, if we could just Pick the perfect person. It would be someone in their like mid to late twenties, explaining all these things. I'm like, I have a the link for you, but I know the perfect person. And she ended up booking it, and it was amazing. And it was a top of show yeah. guest star, and she was amazing. I mean, it, Heatley was on NCIS. I mean, we've had a lot of success like that, and you know, a lot of times it has been a role that is disability specific. But I also think you get in the room with that casting. What what I've seen is they reach out to me about a disability-specific role, but then you get on that person's radar, and they're bringing you in for other things. I mean, they're not seeing you as only that, and that's been a huge success is that you know, you're getting in a room and you're getting on somebody's radar and you're having the opportunity to book something based off coming to an open call that took you five to 10 minutes, and also getting all this free training. And at that training, you get to meet all of these casting directors in your city. Like, you might not be meeting the casting directors in Chicago who are watching your link, but you're getting the opportunity to work with the top casting directors on your material, which is really fun. And I just love seeing how much the actors grow in both their skills and confidence from getting to be in the room like that. So that's one of the things that we're doing is a refresh of our PWD link. That's one of the big things that I've been really pushing for. And I got the green light. We just don't know if it's going to happen when it was going to happen, but the goal is for it to happen in July.
0: Yeah. And I think that's so powerful because like there are these microaggressions that exist, like there is this stigma that exists, like even though we live in a post like ADA world and it is 2020. And and now I hope that because we're having these conversations, then that helps establish the expectations going forward. So like, you know, casting directors can know that this type of information is important so we can facilitate like how to, to do this better. So it's not that every single person that is applying for these rules has to go through this whole conversation and and feel all these anxieties that we could, you know, have this be like, okay, these are the things that are included in in spaces. And we know that people like this exist. And we know that people um, with these different types of disabilities are talented and worthy to be here. And we're not going to think of them less based on solely on their um, difference, and that it really adds to their ability to, you know, create real and authentic characters, um, regardless if they're being, you know, listed for a role with a disability specific or just being a coffee barista that um, it's irrelevant if they have a a disability or not. Um, So I just, I think that that's really important, and this is really um, helping to shape how we have these conversations moving forward. That was
2: a comment. Yeah, I think a lot of people also, what I found, it's not that they don't want to be hiring actors with disabilities or that they don't want to consider them. It's like they don't realize that you should be looking at everybody for everything or Mm -hmm. they don't know how to ask certain questions. Like I get asked a lot of questions and people are like, I don't know how to pose this to someone or I don't know how to do this. And I'm like, just ask me like or ask the person I've very rarely seen an actor be like, Oh, you shouldn't have asked me that. Or like, or an advocate say, don't ask me." Like, I'm happy to connect you with an advocate to ask about this or that. I mean, I, there was a, a show that I went to see some, the my like co-chair in New York had cast a project and it was this like traveling theater thing in the park. And she cast an actor with, with a lower limb difference. And he, had to like hop around, chain, change costumes, like things that I couldn't do myself with two legs. I couldn't go that fast and like change. And like you basically had to balance on one leg and change behind a tree. Like it was crazy. But I think she just asked him, like, do you think, you know, I really want to bring you in for this. Do you feel comfortable doing this? And he's like, let me see what I can do. Like, let me do a trial run in my apartment and see if I can, you know take my pants off standing on one leg and yeah, if I can, then I'm going to come in for the audition. But it's the same thing as saying I can't hit like a high G like, you know, I can't like, it's not related. Some things are just out of your, you know, tool belt and that's okay. But there's very few things that especially someone who's been a functioning adult with a disability can't figure out how to do is what I've found.
0: Or, or be able to ask for appropriate supports and, and, um, you know, accommodations or that type of thing, too, that it's like, okay, well, if we did it this way, then I can totally do that. Um, And and being able to to negotiate and sort of um, work through those different needs. I mean, you modify things in life for so many
2: different reasons, whether it's a recipe because you don't like the way something tastes or, you know, something doesn't feel comfortable when you're doing a workout class. You know, you don't like planking on one side. It hurts your elbow. Like, you know, there's stupid things that nobody thinks it's not a big deal. It's just like what you do. So why can't you modify something? Most of the times when you modify something, I that's the other thing is I really think you make it better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I love that. And I think what the position that you particularly hold, Danielle, that's so um, special to, uh, to us, like the community. I'm going to go ahead and speak for the community um, as a whole, is the fact that so many of these spaces, like we, I feel like me as a person, every day I'm, ta- you know, I'm able to very easily talk about having one hand and I know what I can and can't do. But I, a lot of worlds that I need bridges into, there are spaces of privilege that, that unless I have a bridge or an on-ramp into it, I don't have a way in. And I think that's what you have so passionately and eloquently been willing to take on, is, is you've been willing to engage with the community, and you haven't been scared to ask the questions, and you haven't been scared to say, what do we need to do to get this ball rolling and to get people into these spaces of privilege? Because because we exist, and we, we are here, and we want to to enter into those spaces it's just a matter of figuring out again what that on-ramp is which i feel like um yeah that's that's the very special role that you play um so can you can you talk to us about about i guess maybe maybe the right word is what is the responsibility that you feel like you have kind of in being that ramp or how do you balance you know the fact that you are you are the the casting director kind of being the bridge to the community. Does that question make sense? I kind of asked it in yeah. a weird way. No, I,
2: I, yeah, I think I, I know what you're asking. <laughs> um, I mean, the thing a lot of people, I'm not saying actors with disabilities or people with disability, people don't understand is that casting directors, what we do is we provide, like, the, we go shopping and bring home the best results and say, like, this is what looks best on you. But ultimately, we're not paying the bill. So it's the producer who chooses what they want. So it's like I could go in the dressing room and say, like, all of these things look great. And, like, the thing that everyone agrees looks atrocious, you could still buy if it's your wallet, you know. So my job mm-hmm. is to show the best, you know, to give someone a plate of the best ideas and give them a selection and give them all different types of options, you know, so everyone's role in casting is different, but the types of projects I typically work on, it's not like they're saying, we want someone who looks like this, looks like that. We're building, we're putting together an entire puzzle. And if it means making a modification, like somebody might not be a sibling, we might decide they're a cousin. Like that's happened before because someone just seems like such a perfect fit for the role. And if it's just, or that they're an adopted sibling, or we figure out a workaround, if it's someone that we think is a star, um, but for smaller roles, you don't do that. You know, we have to really, you know, they say they want someone who does this, they do that. But with what I do, I because I'm network casting, it's a bigger picture um, that I'm usually putting together is the, the larger roles. But I will always provide options of all kinds. I mean, I'm also, we're really big into... Or I'm really big into body positivity and like inc- inclusive casting in that sense. And a lot of times when I'll show somebody with a, a disability of some sort, they don't even necessarily know um, in the initial casting tape that they have a disability, unless it's something that's you know more obvious or that they had to we had to hire an interpreter for the project or something like that that hits the bottom line. But even so, it's it's like seventy five dollars. I don't think anyone's really like you know, figuring out that that's until they watch the tape, that that is who that person is. Um, and we've just, I've always been kind of under the guise that you present the best actors and we're always looking for all kinds of actors. And if it fits, the, the storyline will present that person. Um, and that's kind of been what I've been taught, um, Unless it's something you know, again, like a historical. Like there was a project I worked on where they wanted exactly what they wanted. That you know, they wanted if somebody was six foot, there was someone that was six foot seven and a lacrosse player, and the director wanted someone who had some lacrosse experience and was between and it was at least six five. But um, unless very specific. It- <laughs> But unless you're looking to like recreate something like that. And that was an interesting project in itself because then if there had been an actor with a disability or if there had been someone with a disability in that story, they would have been very adamant about that too. So I have to Mm -hmm. respect that it was about the historical, you know, recreation and honoring that story. Um, And it was a 9-11 related story. So there's obviously a lot of emotion tied to that, but in- General, what I've found is that when you present options that includes actors with disabilities, that's the best way to show people that this is what we want to see on, like this is an option and if that actor is the best option they're looked at and sometimes i've had searches that they're like this person like is really interesting i don't think they're perfect for this but can we keep them in mind for something else so i have like a folder that's P-W-D-K-I-M. pwd kim pwds to keep in mind <laughs> because yeah. i don't want them to fall off someone's radar because they were great and they just didn't, they weren't a perfect fit for the role, which had nothing to do with disability or not. But I think the best way to keep momentum is just to keep, and also auditioning, getting actors in the room, that gets, and I've heard more even from PWEs, I feel like than other actors that they they get more self tapes than in-person auditions and self tapes are great too. I mean, any opportunity is great, you know, any chance to show what you got. But I think the more opportunities you have to get in the room, it's a craft. It's like, you know, you're practicing more and more. And that's why I'm like, even if this role, I don't think they're going to be open to a PWD, I'd rather bring that person in, give them the best audition. And it might either sway the producer. They might write a role for that person. The next project they work on, they might be interested in them. It might just kind of give them perspective on the character, because unless you show everybody that's a good option i don't think you're doing a service to the project as a casting director
0: Maybe.
1: It, that's fun to hear yeah that it that it really is it's it's not a narrow field that you're thinking of even in terms of specifically disability it is this like wide um big picture that you're thinking about that's that is cool again just a comment so, sorry sarah i cut you off what were you gonna say yeah.
0: Uh, so I do. I do want to ask what What do we need to do as a disability community to really sort of help change that? Like, how, how can we help? Um, really, when we say that, like, we want to be included um, at the table, what are things that our community needs to do in order to really um, sort of make that happen?
2: I think training. Like, I think all actors need to train and taking advantage of training opportunities. And I don't think it's being like, I'm going to a training opportunity for actors with disabilities. I think it's going to the best training program in your community and not being afraid of maybe being the only actor with a disability that's there. I mean, if you're in certain cities, you know, you're know, you probably not gonna be the only person if you're in a major market. But or if there's no great acting class near you or if there's a class that's okay, maybe then also working with a coach remotely, like making yourself the best possible candidate for the job, I think, with anything that's Mm -hmm. important. And I think it's also and this is something that I work on as well as I'm on the training and education committee with the Casting Society of America, is that we need more disabled casting directors. We need more people bringing their lens to our world Uh, you know it's it's really really important there's not there's you know there are a few but there's also not a lot of casting directors of color like this is you know something we're not unaware of i mean the cool thing about casting is that at least i mean from one minority standpoint women are the bulk of casting directors are women so we bring something in that regard. But it started out, casting started as a field of kind of like a job that secretaries did. So it's, it's not so shocking that it was women that, you know, that there are more women in it. But I think encouraging people with disabilities to pursue casting and to look at it as an option. And it actually really is, I think, an awesome job for somebody that maybe loves performing but is self-conscious in some way. I mean, that's kind of part of what I love about it is I love performing. I love reading with actors on the other side, but like you guys see right now, I don't have my hair done. I mean, I guess I haven't been, I've not been home, but like I don't like the idea of having to be pretty every day and like do myself up and like be judged for my appearance. Like I just know that wouldn't be healthy for me, but I love that I get to be on the other side of the table and you know one second I'm reading and I'm the reporter the next second I'm grandma then I'm an annoying little brother. Like I love that and I love the creativity of casting. So I I think it's an awesome field for somebody that has an interest in performing but maybe doesn't want to be on stage or doesn't want to be on the other side of the camera. I think there's a lot of opportunities in casting, and that's a huge initiative for us right now is trying to broaden our lens.
1: I, I love hearing that. I love hearing, again, it's this, like I said before, I feel like you were thinking much more. Widely than I was, and and of course I wasn't even thinking. Well, duh, put people with disabilities in a casting position Uh, that makes. But of course that makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. And the idea of it being um, being a possibility. I mean, I'm sure that I've kind of shared my story with both of you. But in a nutshell, I remember very clearly the first time I saw someone with one hand on the TV. The first time, right? Because for me. That was a shocking and exhilarating experience. And I was at a 10th birthday party and it happened to be, believe it or not, Miss Iowa from that year when I was 10 years old, happened to have one hand. So all of us 10 year olds came into the living room from this birthday party. And I watched this girl who I, of course, am from Iowa. Yeah. Who looked like me on TV. And that that stuck with me so deeply that even, you know, when I went away to college, my undergraduate degree is directing and theater management. Why is it that? Because I never saw an actor on stage that looked like me. But then when it came time to later in my life, when I did do a pageant, I didn't even question it. I knew that it was a space that I was welcome because so many years ago, 10 years ago, I had had that experience where that was the first person so vividly I watched on stage. So I think... I think that just the more that we are creating, whether we realize it or not, these moments for people to be seen and to be heard, that's opening up kind of a deep-seated space for the next generation to, to fill the shoes that we aren't able to kind of even dream of feel, filling right now. Um, I don't I don't mm-hmm. know if that makes sense, but that's that's kind of the feeling that it gives me. Uh, which leads me to wonder how have you seen, um, how have you seen disability representation change from the time almost 15 years ago when you started to now?
2: I really didn't see actors with disabilities coming in for auditions. It was like the sort of uh, like pseudo-celebrity roles were the only people that I would see being cast in projects that I worked on. maybe like there is one, there's one project that I worked and I remember there was an actor with a disability that was cast for a non-disabled role. And it was like a really big deal. Um, It was someone that the director, who's a big celebrity met and wanted us to cast. And Mm -hmm. I think, again, it was, so it was like celebrity related. Um, And it, it was shocking to me. I was really excited, but it was shocking. Um, and if you go back 15 years ago, any role that was pretty much in a major movie that showed disability in any way was played by an able-bodied person. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, and I was an assistant. So what I just, you know, was there to observe and, you know, type up lists and bring the actors in and out and, you know, do the deal memos and do all of those things. Like I was very active in the casting project and my, my bosses who I worked for were always you know, incredible and were very collaborative, but they weren't being given, you know, the initiative to go out and look for actors with disabilities for those roles because we were trying to, we were working at independent film. We were trying to get, you know, what we were doing was partnering with the producers to get the movies greenlit. We weren't saying, oh, I wonder if there's actually an actor with, you know, name anything that would be great in this role. It was like, oh, this person's attached. It's going to actually get made. And I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of backlash from that recently, which, you know, I I don't um, want to slap anyone's hands and say they shouldn't have made this movie or that movie or that an actor can't act and, you know, portray something else. But at least try to find somebody. I mean, in my experience, there's so many great actors with disabilities. Like, at least try. And why don't you put the celebrity in the other role? There's usually at least two big roles. Like... Uh, You know, there's just but I do see the world starting to change with that. And I mean, like I I about butter Falcon. I'm like obsessed. I mean, it was amazing. And Zach actually grew up right around the corner from me. Um, He went to my school, but he wasn't in mainstream classes. and I didn't really know him. He was younger than me. So he's not like the reason that I'm interested in this or do this or anything like that. But but I, you know, I always went to schools that were very inclusive, I guess, like my mom and told me, like, I should, I didn't even real like remember this, but that there was, you know, a boy with CP that was in my preschool and like it was never, a you know, a thing. But he like that didn't have the acting opportunities that I had in high school, like he wasn't invited to audition for the main stage shows from what I remember and look at him now. And I mean, he was incredible in that movie and that movie was incredible and seeing him in like the perfect example. I mean, Shia LaBeouf can totally have a movie greenlit and he is, has been such an, an amazing advocate for this community. I love seeing what he has to say. And I mean, he's a character. He was in a movie that I cast. I was an assistant on many years ago and I, I cut my finger on a, um, a headshot, like he'll never remember this, but I cut my finger and he was like, oh, you're bleeding. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm, oh, yeah. And I like wanted to run in the other room and like get a bandaid. And he's like, do you want a pizza? What? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like uh, uh, OK, like I had no he, it was just like a total non sequitur.
0: I know before we started the recording, we were sort of chatting for a little bit, and you had um, said that you really wanted to be in in film and in media because you really wanted to share real stories and that you really sort of had this connection to real stories and wanting to see real stories up on the big screen. So I I feel like that really lends itself into um, wanting to find that authenticity. Um, And I just wanted to specifically highlight that because I know we had sort of talked about that before, but I really like that imagery of like, no, this is like, this is a real story and these are real people that are in these stories. And I think that these are the ones that um, need to be shared and need to be told and that we can all really identify with because they are real. Yeah, I think that's what people want
2: to see and what everybody gravitates to you know, the best actors, like the reason that they're so great is that it seems like they're telling you something real. But if you are watching something and it's, I mean, there's just nothing, you're not bringing the, the lived in experience that another actor can bring. And it's the same, I feel the same way about the trans community and having worked with that community as well. I mean, there's very few, you know, nobody says, I mean, I know this is like a whole political thing, but it's like nobody would ever put someone in blackface in a movie. Like, why wouldn't you at least try to find somebody with a disability to be on screen?
1: And that's how how it feels. Like, there are so many roles that, that, you know, we are barred out of, and that's a reality that we have to understand, and that's okay. But also there's so many parts that we can play, and so we want the opportunity to, to be able to play those parts when we can. Um, Danielle, I wanna be respectful of your time here. Uh, so I'm just wondering if for closing, would you talk to us, um, first of all, how, how can somebody who's listening and they're so excited about all the stuff that, um, that you've been talking about, how can they get involved in the disability inclusion initiative and then also, um, what what's next? What what should we be looking for, kind of, in casting and moving forward?
2: So hopefully, we'll be putting together um, that PWD refresh link, and we're hoping to do to really blow that out. It's going to be in New York for the in person element of it, but everyone's going to be welcome to self tape um, for the other areas. Um, so that's something to stay tuned for. Hopefully, it'll be in July. Um, coronavirus could shift things, but (laughs) hopefully we'll be back up and running as a world by July. And it just means I have lots of time to prep for the event. And like I said, there's some talk of some other stuff, uh, um, with that, that could be really, really cool. Another initiative, um, another organization we we would be partnering with potentially. Um, so the best thing to do to stay tuned would be the casting society cares, um, Instagram will have stuff as well as our Facebook, our casting. um, We have a diversity and inclusion Facebook. So that would be the best place to find out about all of that. Um, Hopefully we'll have some announcements there. And then we're really trying to put this coalition together um, as as I mentioned a little bit of to kind of have actors with disabilities go into networks and explain and show why we need to have better representation. we have the research to show how many people in this world are a part of this community. And the crazy thing about this community is that it's a community that you can join at any time without any notice, which
0: mm-hmm. I think
2: is mind blowing to a lot of people. They don't realize that you could be a part of this community at any time. And also you don't know, so many people have invisible disabilities that people don't realize or don't know about. And they don't realize that like their neighbor has, you know, is actually a member of this community or that someone in their class or there's so many different facets of it that i think need to kind of be put front and center um and just say we're here and we should be included in the numbers you're yeah. doing your diversity and inclusion initiatives and doing the research and writing these roles so hopefully all of that will happen uh in 2020.
1: It's so exciting! I'm so excited for this work to happen.
2: <laughs> it'll happen in some capacity. Coronavirus will not slow us down completely. I just hope it all happens.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, it will. It will. It totally will. Yeah. Uh, of course, always let us know if we can be useful. You know, in spreading the word or doing whatever. Um, you know, to help to help ease that or make that happen. Of course. Awesome. Uh, and and yeah, thank you so, so much for joining us and for, for giving us an hour of your time. We're just oh, um, so thankful and honored that you were willing to have this conversation with us. Awesome. Hi.
0: <laughs> thank you for spending part of your day with us. We want to give thanks to our network, Public House Media, for our intro beats to Jason Bards with Cybernetics, our local art, We Want to Remember Patrice. You can find his work at normalpersons.com. Be sure to follow
1: Disarming Disability on Facebook and Instagram. And lastly, be sure to check out our website, disarmingdisability.com, where you can find all 13 episodes of season one, links to resources, transcriptions, and discussion questions for each episode. And check out our blog where we feature amazing disability advocates. See you next week. Bye.
0: Where are you, fella? Ready to start your career, at Fredericksburg? We're hiring claim sales and service agents. Apply online today at slash Fredericksburg.